Hello everyone, welcome back to Vanessaan Films. This is episode 25 of the show. Uh, I'm your host, Vanessa, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just the show where we talk about film, television news. Uh, I, I usually open with like a rant or question about the industry, about movies, whatever, whatever. Um, but honestly, like, there's just a lot of news that I sort of just want to get into it. Um right away. I don't really have anything that I want to rant. I mean, I do. I obviously do have something I want to rant about, but I'm going to avoid doing that just for this episode. I mean, 25 is a pretty cool milestone. Um, I've been pretty consistent with making these episodes for the past couple of months. Um, I don't necessarily know if... I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm thinking in, like, next week might be my last episode of this show just because I don't know like I, I'm thinking and I again like I think I mentioned this last week I'm just so much better at writing than I am speaking so uh I don't know if I'm gonna continue this but the show will still exist yeah, like, I'm not gonna delete it or anything. Like, it's still going to be a thing that is available to listen to. Um, I don't necessarily think I'll ever delete it, uh, but I don't know if I'm gonna continue making, uh, the, ep the episodes. I just, I, I'm, I'm okay. Like, the amount of work that is involved in it, I think, is, like, reasonable. I really enjoyed doing it. It's just, like, I'm so much better at writing and speaking, I mean, I, I make notes for this show, just, like, speaking sort of without anyone, just because I don't really have a lot of friends who are into film the same at the same level as I am, um, uh, and so it's hard to find, like, guests, and a lot of my friends don't like speaking as well, uh, so I guess, like, I- it, it's just awkward, um, but I still enjoy doing it. Like, I, I think of this show as sort of just me getting more people involved and, like, into film. But, but yeah, like, I, I, I really hope that people who have listened to this who don't really know a lot about film, like, learn something through, through the show. Um, but anyways, so <laughs> that sort of was a rant in itself, but I don't really have anything that I want to rant about today. I, I mean, obviously I do, but as for, like, actually, like, going about it, I don't necessarily think I want to do that. I'm just gonna start getting into the news, just because there was a lot. The Golden Globes, uh, the nominations were announced, so obviously that's, like, a really big thing. Again, I am not editing this episode. I'll probably pause it when I have to take a drink, because I don't want to subject you guys to that, but, um, yeah, let's get into it. So, Bradley Cooper and Christian Bale are actually set to, I guess, reunite on a new film. They're set to star in a spy thriller. I think this is just a rumor. Like, I actually don't think it's confirmed. But, you know, it's like rumors through a credible source. Um, so, yeah, they're set to star in a spy thriller together. The film is called Best of Enemies. It's based on uh, a book that was written by Gus Russo and Eric Dezenhall. So, yeah, the book basically centers on a CIA agent and a KGB agent. 
they basically try to convince each other to betray their country, their respective country. And again, it's an adaptation of the book. American Hustle, the writer of that film, Eric Warren, singer, is writing the script. And so, yeah, like, Bradley Cooper and Christian Bale were both in American Hustle, so I think it was a natural choice for them to be cast in this film, uh, just because they worked together previously, they were in the movie that the writer of this film is wrote, I should say. So, yeah, I think it's a natural choice. I also think that they both can play either or of the character. I honestly think Christian Bale is going to play the KGB agent just because he's notorious for his accents. So, um, yeah, but either way, like, I think they would both be great in either of the roles. Again, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, did I like American Hustle? Not really, but I was also really young when I watched it and I haven't returned to it just because, um, I think David O. Russell should be in jail. But it's just like, I try my best to avoid his films. I mean, I've watched Amsterdam recently and morals aside, the film was not good. (laughs) So yeah, like I, I mean, I, I also wouldn't rewatch American Hustle just because like, again, I was young when I watched it, so I don't remember a lot, but I remember not really enjoying it that much. Um, so yeah. (laughs) Um, but, like, I guess the fact that the writer is also working on this film, I feel like it's gonna have, like, a certain sense of humor that I don't necessarily like and I'm gonna find annoying. But anyways, um, as for the directing portion of this film, there's no one confirmed yet, but Bradley Cooper may be directing this. That's a rumor kind of, like, swirling around right now that he is going to be directing the film and... You know, he has a couple of films under his belt right now. A lot of them are, I, I should say all of them, like both of the, his films are very critically well-received. Um, one more than the other, I should say. But either way, um, I think him directing it, it he's, he's kind of becoming this person where he's, um, you know, he's starring in the film that he is directing. And so... So I just think that, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't expect really, if, if it was announced that he was directing it, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be surprised. As for studios, I think Netflix is kind of like looking at it right now, which is unfortunate, but you know, Cooper has worked with Netflix before for Maestro, so, you know, he has that history there. It's just kind of a, I don't like when movies are put on Netflix, like, I just don't like it and so um yeah we got news about that so best of enemies it is a film that is currently in the works and nothing is necessarily confirmed but i do think we'll get like a official confirmation really soon about this film all right well let's move on to another actor director olivia wilde olivia wilde is responsible for one of my favorite comedies ever and that's book smart it's so fucking quotable like the screenplay is insane and i know she didn't write the screenplay but her direction just like totally elevated the screenplay like there's a lot of shots in there that are really impressive and um the, the 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 sort of like moment when um amy like realizes that like 
oh, people didn't like me not because I was smart, but because I was like sort of a loser. Um, when everything like slows down, in that moment, it was like so well crafted that I just really, really love the film. I think everyone who knows me knows that I love that film and I always talk about it. I just realized that I refer to the character as Amy and not Molly. Fuck. I got them I got them mixed up. Oh, anyways, that's annoying. But yeah, Molly, Molly, that's the that's the specific character that I was thinking of in that scene. Um but yeah, uh we got news that she's actually going to be directing another comedy which I haven't watched. Don't worry, darling. I have to get to it. I just I don't know. I think I think the the negative reviews really did impact my outlook on the film, which is unfortunate because I usually don't let that type of stuff make me not want to watch a film. And I don't think that's the case here either. It's just like I haven't gotten to it and like knowing that it's poorly received is kind of like, okay, well, I guess I could put it off for a little longer, but I am going to get to it eventually. Um, I just, I just think that Olivia Wilde should really gravitate towards comedies because Again, like, not to, like, pigeonhole someone into a specific genre, but she was such a good comedic director with Booksmart that I think she really has something special there. And, again, like, she can totally go for the more Don't Worry Darling-esque films. Like, no one's stopping her. But uh, just knowing that we got news, which I'm going to get to, uh, about uh, a comedy coming from her is really exciting. And... Yeah, there's just something really special about her direction with comedies that I think she can really capitalize off of. And so she is set to direct a Christmas comedy. So it's not just any type of comedy. It's a Christmas comedy. Um, it's it's currently titled Naughty. And what's interesting about this film is that Margot Robbie's production company, Lucky Chap, is set to produce the film. Lucky Chap is responsible for some really cool projects. I mean, they produced Barbie. They produced Promising Young Woman, I, Tanya. So they have like a lot of really cool films that have like this sort of like, I don't want to say edgy comedy because I don't like that term, but there is sort of this like grit to the comedy. Um, I'm specifically thinking of like I, Tonya and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so Lucky Chap is set to produce and it's currently being described, the film is being described as Bridesmaids in the North Pole. So I don't necessarily know what to expect from that and I think comparing any comedy to Bridesmaids is kind of it's kind of a setup but I'm hoping that this film can be just as funny just as well written well directed and yeah so it's called Naughty and you know it's playing on the naughty or nice thing and so it's gonna be directed by Olivia Wilde let's move on to some news that kind of made me do a backflip it didn't, but like, I don't know how to do a backflip. But the point I'm trying to make is that like, I'm really excited for this film because I've been thinking about it a lot and there's actually like news further, further, further into the episode that I'm going to get to. I was like, wait, what am I trying to say? Further into the episode that I'm going to get to that kind of also connects to this. And I'll, I guess I'll talk about them in, in connection. Uh, but I just realized that I didn't put the news up next, but, um, that's okay. Whatever. So, yeah, Charlize Theron and Daniel Craig, they're going to star 
together in a heist thriller called Two for the Money. Unfortunately, this is an Apple original film. <sighs> God damn it. I don't necessarily know what that means. I mean, Apple has been releasing a lot of their films in theaters, but again, I think it is training audiences to say, oh, it's an Apple film. It'll be on streaming eventually, which I know not a lot of people have Apple TV um, in comparison to other streaming services, but still, like, it is a huge chunk of your potential audience that you're basically saying, oh, if you wait a little longer, it'll be on streaming and then you don't have to pay to go see this in a theater. Again, I don't necessarily know if this is going to go straight to streaming. I hope it doesn't, just because these are two incredible actors leading a heist film that you know they have a lot of like box office draw so like why not utilize that yeah i guess i guess we can continue sort of like i'm gonna get yeah i'm gonna continue talking about this just because uh i i really do think that these are like two really huge stars that can create a lot of revenue at the box office. So I hope that they do like a as normal as possible theatrical release as this film can get. But anyways, um, it the film is again a heist film, which I love heist films. Daniel Craig, you know, he has been in heist film before. Um, Logan Lucky, which is one that I really, really, really love. Um, and so this film, it follows the evolution of a relationship between these two career thieves played by Charlize and Daniel. And so it's going to basically follow them over the course of three jobs. And yeah, I, I'm really intrigued by the premise. I think looking at these thieves as sort of like, um, individuals and really showcasing their relationship is really interesting. And yeah, I'm just really, really glad that like Charlize Theron is kind of uh, leading something like this. I do think that I feel like I've may, ha I feel like I may have mentioned this on other episodes or like in other episodes. And I don't know. I just think we are kind of like missing that large action star when it comes to like female movie stars. And, you know, I'm going to get to this eventually, but like we got Charlize, we got Angelina, but like recently they haven't necessarily been able to lead a film like that. I mean, Charlize had Atomic Blonde, but I think that was like in 2017. Um, you know, so, so like it, it has been some years, right? So I'm just, you know, thinking, uh, what can we do to really, I don't know, give that, that space for female action stars within the industry? Um, just because I think we are in an action, female action star crisis, I should say. And there's so many, like, potential people that I feel like can really do great in that sphere. Like, I feel like I've mentioned this in, um, maybe on Twitter. In, uh, the intellectual space that is Twitter, I may have mentioned something about Jessica Henwick. And I think that Jessica Henwick can be this huge action sci-fi star if we give her the correct roles and I just yeah I don't know like I think I think she can really be someone that becomes a household name within that genre and so yeah two for the money it's gonna star Charlize Theron Daniel Craig and 
It's going to follow them and I guess their relationship as two career thieves over three big jobs. Next up, we got news that actually made me do a backflip. Um, I, I, in my notes, I literally wrote, thank God we are so back. Um, just because I, I feel like we, I, last week I literally spoke about this actually, how this actress needs a win and we need to, we, we need this. We need this. As a society, we literally need this. Um, so <laughs> Amy Adams, she's going to star in an untitled thriller it is going to be written by Graham Moore, who wrote The Imitation Game, which I really enjoyed that film. Um, and I'm interested to see what they bring to this script and this film. Again, it's an untitled thriller. We don't know the plot details. It's going to be written by Graham Moore. It's going to star Amy Adams. Besides that, we literally know nothing. And that's kind of, honestly, like... I'm down. Like, I, I think that is just, like, enough. Just knowing that Amy Adams is starring in a film. I'm seated already. I will literally watch anything if Amy Adams is in it. Um, which means that recently I've been having to watch a lot of shitty films. Like, no shade. Like, she is one of our best. But, yeah. Just, I... It's just... It's just been a journey these past couple of years. But... I do think that her film, Night Bitch, which is being directed by Marielle Heller, I believe. Yeah, I believe that's who's directing it. Yeah, so Marielle Heller is directing him. I just think that movie is really going to be insane. And I'm so ready for that type of film and Amy Adams in that kind of role. If you don't, if you aren't familiar with it, you should be. <laughs> but I'm just super excited that that film is going to be coming out eventually. And now we have this confirmation that she's going to be starring in this thriller. And I just, you know, you know, it's cool that we got like a, an award-winning, Academy Award-winning screenwriter working on this project. And knowing that, I think that it's going to, it's, it's leaving me with a little bit more of a hopeful outlook on this. Let's move on to some news about a actor who's kind of just been, yeah, he's he's been getting a lot of, uh, I guess we'd say press recently, just because, um, I, mm, well, I'm thinking and I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, like, well, he's he's leading like a pretty large franchise right now, franchise film, I should say, and so yeah, I think that's going to open up a lot more doors for him. And so Tom Blythe, who played young Snow in the Ballad of Song... Ballads? Ballad? Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That title, like, always gets me. But anyways, um, yeah, so he starred in that film. And he is going to start in the adaptation of an Ernest Hemingway novel. This is the novel that is titled A Farewell to Arms, which is, I don't necessarily know if it's Hemingway's, like, most popular work, but it is really popular. And so, anyways, he's going to be playing a volunteer driver, uh, ambulance driver, I should say, during World War One, Frederick Henry, and he's wounded, and then he falls in love with his nurse. 
again, I, I think that with these franchise roles, a lot of people don't like to take them, and I totally understand why. But it can also lead to, you know, more recognition. And then if you start in that kind of, like, franchise role, you can, like, break out into more... I don't want to say well-received, but more, like, critically lauded and more, quote-unquote, serious um, works. So, yeah, it's cool that he's he's starring or he's attached to star in the adaptation of the Ernest Hemingway novel that is titled The Farewell to Arms. Let's move on to some news about Alex Garland's upcoming film. This is titled Civil War. Uh, when you're listening to this episode, a trailer may have or may not have been released for it. Um, but we did get a poster for it. Um, and yeah, I guess there's just been like a little bit more news regarding this film recently because of the poster release and the possible trailer release. So it's set in the near future. And yeah, it just shows that America is kind of like on the brink of a civil war in this near future. Alex Garland is known for Annihilation, Men. Annihilation has been in conversation as like one of the best sci-fi films of the last couple of years. So I'm excited to see the vision for Civil War. As for the cast, it's a incredible cast. Um, we got Kristen Dunst, which... Talk about an insane filmography. Like... I genuinely don't think she has a bad movie in her filmography or, um, yeah, I mean, even the ones that, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, I can appreciate them from a critical perspective or, like, a filmmaking perspective and a performance perspective. Just an insane, insane, insane filmography. And I do honestly think that this film is just going to add to the really great and cool and interesting choices that she makes like she has such a she makes like such great choices uh when it comes to the films that she takes and so I trust in this film due to her involvement um hopefully that's not <laughs> a lot of pressure on her but whatever uh we got Ma Wagner Mora we got Kaylee Spaney which yes that's all I can say to that Kaylee Spaney, yes. Wait. Title of app. Kaylee Spaney, yes. Um, Stephen McKinley Henderson is also in the film, which supporting actor of all time. Um, or yeah, it's just this this cast, like even just knowing these four names, so great. And I don't really know anything about the film. Like, I haven't seen the trailer that is possibly releasing sometime this week. I only really know that, you know, these cast members, Alex Garland and the very small amount of plot details and so yeah like i'm i'm excited kind of just navigating this and learning alongside other people and like audience members that are excited for this film like what it's all about and so again we got the first poster for alex garland's civil war let's talk about a little something that is happening between january 18th and january 28th of next year so, of course, this is the Sundance Film Festival that is happening during this time. We got a bunch of new looks and first looks at the some films that are premiering at Sundance. We also got basically, like, the list of films that are premiering at Sundance. I want to highlight a little bit of them just because I think a lot of them are really, really cool and feature really great artists and actors. And so, 
I want to highlight them and just like give them a shout out. So we got a first look at Kristen Stewart and Steven Yun in Love Me, which I've, I've been speaking about it for such a long time on like other other shows that I've done and like problem I don't think I've mentioned it on this so far but yeah we finally got like a first look at it and I feel like the reason that I've spoken about it a lot is because it's just a film that has like a quote-unquote like summary or plot that yeah that just like really stands out and it's something you'll remember so it's being described as a film of like or like at least it's a love story between a satellite and a, a buoy the thing that's in the water um so it's just kind of like crazy because i don't i don't know like i th honestly like this is probably one of my most there's two movies that i'm really excited for next year and they both star kristen stewart so i don't know just like knowing that that is what it's being described as is, is kind of crazy because like what does that even mean and i love movies that when you hear about the plot details you're like well what does that mean and i think those are the most intriguing and captivating films and so yeah this is going to be premiering at sundance next year and i really do hope that it's well received um just because this is such like a really interesting and intriguing premise another christian stewart movie that is also premiering at sundance next year is love lies bleeding this is directed by rose glass who directed also St. Maud, which is an incredibly well-received horror film from 2021, I believe, or 2019. I can't remember when it was released, but it was released a couple of years ago. And so, yeah, she is directing Love Lies Bleeding. This is starring, again, Kristen Stewart and Katie O'Brien. Um, I believe it is being described as a thriller right now. Um, I believe it's set in the 80s. Again, I don't know fully, like, the plot details of a lot of these films, just because they haven't been released yet. And, uh, you know, we were just getting kind of, like, first looks and stuff at them. But anyways, um, it is called Love Lies Bleeding. It's also gonna kind of take place in the world of bodybuilding and showcase, like, how far people will go in order to be the best within this kind of industry. And I'm just so excited for this film because one like I really love Kristen Stewart but also knowing that she's working with Rose Glass is insane so uh again love lies bleeding keep your eyes out for that and I'll probably be talking about it if I'm not doing this show anymore on other projects so yeah um check it out and when of course it drops <laughs> We also got, I think, a first look and a little bit more plot details about A Real Pain. This is starring Jesse Eisenberg and Kieran Culkin. They are playing two estranged cousins who end up traveling to Poland after their grandmother dies to see where she came up from and, like, where she came from. And then they join a Holocaust tour, which I, I don't know. Like, I think this is a really... I'm thinking of it from, like, the perspective of being an estranged cousin with, you know, this, you know, a cousin you haven't spoken to or whatever. And then you're thrust into this thing of, like, oh, we're gonna go see where our grandmother came from. Also, we end up somehow on a Holocaust tour. Like, it's, 
it reads as like very comedic in a sense and i'm excited to see how they like manage to balance of course like the seriousness of something like the you know you know like the death of their grandmother etc and the fact that jesse eisenberg and like kieran culkin i think do have like a knack for comedy so yeah um a real pain is also going to be premiering at sundance we also got a new look at Saoirse Ronan, which, in an uh, upcoming film, obviously, which, like, I feel like anytime Saoirse Ronan is something, we as a society and we as film lovers win. So anyways, we got a new look at Saoirse Ronan in, um, well, I feel like we also got a first look at this a while back, but this is a new look, um, uh, in the film The Outrun. So it's based on the 2016 memoir by a Scottish journalist author named Amy Liptrot. So it is set in her childhood town, home, whatever. And yeah, again, since this is a memoir, this is based on real life. And yeah, she ends up basically in her hometown again because she became an alcoholic when she went to London. And then she, she kind of goes back to her hometown in order to rehabilitate. So yeah, Saoirse Ronan, uh, we got a new look at the film that she is in. We also got, well, I guess this is news, but I kind of just wanted to talk about it in the same respect that I did for the Charlize Theron news. But anyways, Halle Berry is describing her upcoming movie that is also co-starring Angelina Jolie. It's titled Mod vs. Mod. So it's an action thriller. Um, she basically described it as sort of like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Smith yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, mixed with Mission Impossible and there's also gonna be like com comedic twist to it and I just think that Angelina in action movies is always a serve and I honestly really think that she should just be in more of those and you know again sort of just continuing on with what I was saying about Charlize like I think we really need more action films led by um yeah led by you know female actresses because there really isn't enough i think and yeah so it's just cool that Halle Berry's like describing the film this way because that's already making me intrigued and you know waiting for the film one more piece of news before i get into the golden globes of it all we got an official trailer for dan levi's basically like his directorial debut i don't know why i said basically it is his directorial debut uh it's called good grief it it has an insane cast um but i think what i'm most most looking forward to regarding this film is the fact that like the trailer was really good and it actually created like a lot of a lot of like buzz around it yeah it was like well edited it was really fucking sad and so uh, I think that just got a lot of people like talking about it. And so what it's about is Dan Levi's character uh, has just lost his husband and then he brings two of his friends to Paris and yeah, they just basically like try to like navigate the grief. Um, they basically like discover and talk about truths about, um, yeah, the their friend that has just passed away. And so it's, 
I guess it's just like been interesting to see people talk about this really fucking sad trailer in such a positive light. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I just wanted to quickly mention the trailer because I think you should go check it out if you haven't already. All right, let's get into the Golden Globes of it all. I, the Golden Globes is like such an unserious group of people. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Um, but anyways, let's get into it. Best motion picture drama. We got Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Past Lives, The Zone of Interest, and Anatomy of a Fall, which this is such, this has been such a good, like, year for film that, um, I don't know. This is just, like, a really strong category, and I don't really know how it's gonna go. I'm team Past Lives. I haven't watched The Zone of Interest yet and Maestro, but I'm team Past Lives so far when I'm looking at that category. As for best picture, musical, or comedy, we got Barbie, Poor Things, American Fiction, The Holdovers, May, December, and Air. Um, again, I have not watched American Fiction or Poor Things, but of this crop, The Holdovers is actually my favorite. I really love May, December, and Barbie too. Um, Air, it was a movie. Um, basic it, it was funny though like i will give it i like it actually was really funny it's just like i don't care like why do i care about the story um <laughs> it's just like there were certain directing choices and screenplay choices that i'm like okay well i guess um but i don't again like this is a really great crop of like movies um i know that when i watch poor things it'll probably end up being my favorite of the year. Which is probably a weird thing to say. Like, how do you know something can be your favorite if you haven't watched it? But I just... I just know I'm going to really, really like it because of all the things that I've been hearing and seeing about it. And as for American Fiction, um, haven't watched it, but I know it did... It was insanely well-received at TIFF. And again, like, that's another film that I'm looking forward to... Um, yeah, just, like, engaging with. And... So, again, we have such a good crop of movies that it's going to be so hard to choose from. Poor Things, I I don't know. I don't know if it's going to win. But, um, I hope, I hope, I mean, The Holdovers, as much as I want it to win, like, I don't think it will. But, um, but anyways, um, let's move on to Best Director. This is a category that I always love to talk about, specifically for the Golden Globes. So, we got Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Diego Slanthimos for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, and the last one is actually driving me insane, Celine Song for Past Lives. Um, yes, that's all I can say. Um, Celine Song, like, this is her directorial debut, and it's literally just going crazy. Like, it is such a well-made film. It... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just like, I can't believe that this, that's her first film, you know? Like, how like how can someone do that? <laughs> but anyways, uh, Celine Song, Past Lives, uh, Best Director. As for Best Screenplay, again, as a writer, I feel like I'm just, I just gravitate towards this type of stuff. For uh, Best Screenplay Motion Picture, we got Barbie, Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach. I'm a huge fan of both of these people. I don't think they're going to take any screenplay awards, but I will say that, you know, 
their their screenplay that they've worked on together being recognized is really cool just because they ha are responsible for some of my favorite like i love mistress america so much um i feel like i've spoken about this on this podcast but anyways um yeah uh so they got a screenplay nomination poor things tony mick mick namara there i said it um Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan, Killers of the Flower Moon, Eric Roth, and Martin Scorsese, Past Lives, Celine Song, Past Lives Nation, Stay in Line. Wait, <laughs> I tweeted that the other day, so I don't know if I want to, like, make that the title of the episode, but I probably will. Past Lives Nation, Stay in Line. Anyway, and then we got Justin Triet for Anatomy of Fall alongside Arthur Harari. Um, they worked on the screenplay together. So, again, an insane crop of screenplay um screenplay nominations i should say um but the thing with like the golden globes is they only have like one screenplay um nomination so yeah i guess i guess like i'm thinking of it sort of um they don't necessarily have adapted or original so it i guess it is a little harder but anyways um great crap of like screenplay nominations as for best performance by an actor um, the drama category. We got Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, which is a film I haven't watched yet, Andrew Scott for All of Us Strangers, because... Well, why did I say because? I meant to say I also haven't seen that film. And then Barry Keoghan. I think that's how you pronounce it. I hope, hope I pronounced it right. For Saltburn, which... A lot of inspired choices here. I'm really glad that uh, Andrew Scott got nominated. And let's move on to actress. So we got, um, this again, drama. We got Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, which she gave a supporting performance. And I keep saying it and no one wants to listen to me. But anyways, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro. Sandra H Huller, I, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, for Anatomy of a Fall. Annette Benning for Nyad. Greta Lee for Past Lives, Past Lives Nation, Stay in Line, and Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla, which I'm really glad that her performance for Priscilla was, um, was, was nominated and awarded, or I guess, yeah, I guess given some time to shine at the Golden Globes. Yeah, like I actually wrote, I, I, wrote, I wrote a little something about Priscilla, like the film, but a lot of it does talk about the way Kaylee carries herself in that film and it's just like an, it's such a like you can tell like she has so much anxiety and like curiosity and she is supposed to be playing someone at, at one point in the film she's supposed to be playing someone who is 14 right so um yeah like I I, I think that with that she really did give like uh, one of the most memorable performances of the year for me just because you can like tell like that through her performance like how scared this real life person was um that she's portraying and um i guess like scared fearful excited worried she really captured that brilliantly um especially like her her like vocal acting like i don't know how else to describe it was really great in that when we first meet her and she's supposed to be 14 like she sounds like a baby like a kid and it's just i'm really glad that her performance is being um yeah i guess just like um I, yeah, I 
I, I don't know. Like, it's just, I'm thinking about it. And the more I think about it, the more I really, really love the performance. So, yeah, I, I it would be cool to see her win. She has really, like, stiff competition. But, anyways, <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll move on to Best Actress in uh, Comedy. So, we got Fantasia Barino for The Color Purple. Jennifer Lawrence, Lawrence? What the fuck is that? Jennifer Lawrence for No Hard Feelings, Natalie Portman for May December, which, oh god, um, I actually don't think I mentioned this when I said the movies, but like, the fact that it's being classified as a comedy, I understand that May December is extremely camp, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a comedy in the traditional sense, um, and it certainly isn't a musical, so the fact that it's here, I don't know. We got Alma Poisty, I believe, I, I hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly, for Fallen Leaves, which, again, I haven't watched Fallen Leaves, but I know I need to go check it out. Um, we got Margot Robbie for Barbie, and then we got Emma Stone for Poor Things, which I've been hearing a lot about, like, Emma Stone's performance in Poor Things, and um, I, yeah, I, I think that, that people have been calling it her best performance yet, which is just insane, because she's given so many incredible performances that I, I think it's like when someone says that this is her best performance yet like you're like oh okay then it must be really serious um so I'm excited to finally watch the film it's one of my most anticipated of the year um unfortunately it just hasn't been playing where I live so um shout out to her for getting nominated for it anyways Moving on to the actor side of things for this category, we got Nicolas Cage in Dream Scenario, which is really cool that he got a nomination for this film. Timothy Chalamet for Wonka, Matt Damon for Air, uh, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, which I don't know. Like, I, I'm i not often drawn to, like, performances by male actors, but I'll give credit where credit is due. Like, I'm not like that to say, like, oh, I, I don't care, but it's like, Paul Giamatti's performance in The Holdovers is so great. Like, if you have the opportunity to watch it in theaters, go watch it. Uh, we got Walking Phoenix for But Was Afraid, which I haven't watched that film yet. I probably should. Probably should. Anyways, and then Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. This is a really great, like, interesting, inspired crop of people. I think Paul Giamatti's probably going to take it. Um... And so, yeah, let's move on to Best Supporting Actor, um, Motion Picture, of course. We got Willem Dafoe for Poor Things, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh my god, we're, I just messed up. We're, okay. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, which, anyways, Charles Melton for May, December, and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Charles Melton, just like, insane, insane performance, and I'm so glad that he's getting recognition for this performance because although although he's acting like alongside Portman and Moore who are giving like some of their best performance performances ever he like completely holds his own and you have to check on May December like it just the way he physically carries himself also like sort of reminds me of like Kaylee's performance in Priscilla um just because like there's this sort of air of anxiety that he really does portray and um yeah check it out if you haven't watched me december i think i was like choking at the end of that sentence <laughs> anyways um let's move on to supporting actress we got emily blunt for oppenheimer 
Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, Jodie Foster for Nyad, Julianne Moore for May December, which she was so good in that film, so evil, but like so great. Rosamund Pike for Saltburn, Define Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. Again, I do think that Define Joy Randolph is going to take this. She has been taking a lot of the supporting actress awards recently and good for her. Like I loved her performance in The Holdovers. Just I feel like it had some of the best written characters of the year that like I don't I, I don't yeah like I, I think it just really brought out the best of the performers because of how great it was written um but anyways let's move on to the television side of things I didn't really write a lot about it because again I'm more interested in film oopsies but anyways um television series drama we got 1923 which is like the 40th um Yellowstone spinoff we got the crown the diplomat the Last of Us, The Morning Show, and Succession, which it's so funny because every time I listen to Last Culture, um, that is Last Culture says the podcast starring Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers, hosted by, I should say, um, they talk about how The Morning Show is written by third graders and it's literally the funniest thing I've heard in my life. Um, but anyways, on the musical side of things, we got The Bear, or musical comedy, The Bear, Ted Lasso, Abbott Elementary, Jury Duty, Only Murders in the Building, and Barry, the Bear is not a comedy, but they classify it as a comedy due to the structure of the show, which I guess. Um, as for acting in the drama category, we got Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, Kieran Culkin for Succession, Jeremy Strong for Succession, Brian Cox for Succession, Gary Oldman for Slow Horses, and Dominic West for The Crown. Again, like Succession just kind of like went crazy. Um, as for the drama actresses we we got well i didn't write notes about this but like sarah snook is nominated and i feel like that's all you need to know um but as for the best actress in a tv series comedy we got iowa debris for the bear which thank god uh natasha leone for poker face quinta brunson abbott elementary rachel brosnahan for the marvelous miss mazel Celine gomez for whoa selena gomez for only murders in the building and Elle fanning for the great Rachel Brosnahan, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've spoken about this recently, was casted as, cast as Lois Lane um, in the upcoming, like, reboot, 40th reboot of Superman. I don't, I don't know what's going on over there. But, um, yeah, I think she's a great choice. And I feel like her role in The Marvelous Miss Maisel kind of plays into that. I actually think it's Mrs. Maisel, but whatever anyways let's move on to best actor in a tv series sort of for the musical like sort of like aligned with what i was just speaking of musical or comedy so bill Hader for barry steve martin and martin short for only murders in the building jason siegel for shrinking which i've heard really good things about that show i just haven't gotten around to it jason sudeikis for ted lasso which anyways and then jeremy allen white for the bear which i feel like jeremy allen white is taking it Mm, again not a comedy but anyways um and then i think i wanted to just quickly mention um something about the supporting actress category for tv so we got elizabeth debicki who happens to be 6'3 for the crown abby elliott sorry for the bear which i really love her performance in the bear i think she, i think her character is one of my favorites i think her performance is one of my favorites in the show and so it's really cool that she's getting, again, nominated. Christina Ricci for Yellow Jackets, which I wanted to mention, honestly, this category just because I think her getting a nomination for Yellow Jackets is really cool. Uh, J. Smith Cameron for Succession. 
Meryl Streep for Only Murders in the Building, and Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso. I don't really know who's going to take it, but again, I really love Abby Elliott's performance. Christina Ricci in Yellow Jackets is insane. I love her character so much, and I love her portrayal of, like, adult Misty so much. And so it was just cool to see her being nominated in this crop of, uh, like, alongside these crop, this crop of actors. I believe I have two more, I believe I have two more, um, things to talk about. I'm not exactly sure. But we got original score, uh, for the motion picture, of course. Ludwig Gorenson. Ludwig Gorenson for Oppenheimer. Jerskin Fendrix for Poor Things. Robbie Robertson for Killers of the Flower Moon. Michael Levy for The Zone of Interest. Daniel Pemberton for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And Joe Hishashi, I believe, for The Boy and the Heron. I'm so sorry. I I literally researched how to say these names and I still fucked them up. But anyways, um, I, again, I think this year was such a strong year for a film that like every aspect of every film has been so strong that again, this is a really great group of, group of whatever, um, you get what I'm saying, group of, um, like, just composers, conductors, whatever, composers, I should say, but a lot of them do work as conductors as well, but anyways, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, like, such a great group of people that it's gonna be such a hard competition, and I feel like this, this year is gonna be really hard to tell who's gonna win everything. Last year was kind of, like, there were some predictable slots, but, um, with this, it's kind of, like, yeah, um, it's, it's gonna be tough, and I want to end on, uh, motion picture non-English language, so we got Anatomy of a Fall, Fallen Leaves, Io Capitano, Past Lives, Society of the Snow, and The Zone of Interest, which, again, just an insane crap of movies that I don't really know what is going to happen. This is the part of the episode, so the news portion is done, we're gonna move on to, like, the rant portion that isn't a question uh it's sort of like just something we want to talk about something we want to rant about regarding film television an aspect of it something we hate something we love Oops, sorry something we don't really care about you know um but we care about enough to talk about um but anyways yeah i want to talk about wildlife which is a 2018 film directed by paul dano in his directorial debut um he wrote it with his wife who is an incredible actress zoe kazan um zoe 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 Kazan? Kate? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you guys know who she is. Um, uh, yeah, so they wrote it together, which is really cool. It's based on the 1990 novel of the same name by Richard Ford. And so it takes place in 1960 and it follows Jeanette and Jerry Brinson. They have a teenage son. They've recently moved to Great Falls, Montana, and their teenage son is named Joe, so they have, like, <laughs> they got, like, some J names going on. So, what happens is, basically, Jerry is fired from his job. He's a golf pro at a country club. He's fired, but he's later offered his old job back, but, like, out of, you know, ego, I guess we could say. He doesn't necessarily want to take it back, 
but there's a lot of like forest fires going on around their area so what he does is he ends up taking a job um as a firefighter even though you know like Jeanette was you know looking for a job she actually took a job as a swimming instructor but you know he kind of feels lost without his job and so he just takes this this um this low paying job fighting wildfires which is like really dangerous and that means he has to essentially leave his family to go fight these fires and it upsets his wife it worries his child his child's like scared um and and since his since he lost his like job as a golf pro like joe actually had to stop a lot of his extracurriculars and he ended up getting a job at like a uh uh, what's it called like a photo studio and I think I, I don't know there was a lot about the film that I really enjoyed but I feel like the most memorable thing about it for me is the performances um Jake Gyllenhaal plays Jerry and he doesn't have like a huge role in the film but he is really really great in it but I feel like but I feel like the reason I love this film so much and like that I'm probably willing to return to it eventually and rewatch it is because Carrie Mulligan's performance in it is so good. Like I think it, I, I don't know, like it's hard for me to choose like my favorite, it's easier to choose for me to choose like my favorite films, but like choosing my favorite performances is like a whole different other story. But I will say that it is my favorite Carrie Mulligan performance that I've seen so far. You know, I haven't watched all of her films, but it is one of my favorite Carrie Mulligan performances. It is one of, yeah, one of my favorite Carrie, I'll probably say the Carrie Mulligan performance, but it's also like probably one of my favorite performances ever by anyone. Um, it's just so good. Like every scene she has with Joe, where she's just like talking to him about like her marriage, the truths of it, like what she thinks about it is just so raw and also like uncomfortable but the, her performance is so great and again like again one of my favorite performances I, I highly recommend it and although like the film isn't like my favorite thing ever like her performance is just so good that like I don't even care really it also has like a really cool poster that I always think of um and in the context of the film like when you see the sort of poster quote-unquote happening uh really great but anyways um that's all I have to say about wildlife. Check it out. One of my favorite Carrie Mulligan performances. And I guess quickly I will end this on the fact that Wonka is in theaters this week. Check it out. It's doing really well at the box office like overseas because it's already out in some places. Um, it tells the origin story of Willy Wonka who is of course um, a Roald doll character from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And what this is going, it's basically like a prequel to the Gene Wilder version of the character. That's kind of like this like goofy, wacky thing, huh? but a thing, a character. But this, this, this take on the character is this sort of like wide-eyed, um, I get yeah, this like wide-eyed, thoughtful, like excited version of him because he is younger. He is a chocolatier. And it's starring, of course, Timothy Chalamet in the titular role. Um, there's also Kayla Lane, 
who is a newcomer that's basically playing, I don't want to say a sidekick, but sort of. Um, and then there's also like an ensemble cast. It's uh, Keegan-Michael Key, Patterson-Joseph, Matt Lucas, Matthew Bainton, Sally Hawkins, which I had no idea she was in the film. And then when I saw the trailer that she was going to be in it, I was like, yes. Uh, Rowan Atkinson, Jim Carter, Tom Davis, Olivia Coleman, who is chronically employed and we love that for her. And of course, Hugh Grant as uh, the terrifying Oompa Loompa. I completely like, I made fun of this movie so much when it came out. Like it just looked insane. <laughs> every, every line delivery was just insane. But then I'm hearing now that it's not as bad as people thought it was going to be, which I'm glad. It's not like I'm ever preying on the downfall of a movie, except for like when horrible, horrible people are attached to it. But um, yeah, I've heard pretty good things about the film and I'm excited for it. And I think it is like a really great, so many good movies are coming out in the next couple of weeks that I'm going to go insane. But anyways, manga is out this week. Um, I have a bunch of Christmas shopping to do. So maybe I'll go watch some movies and Christmas shop. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh bye oh wait 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 title of up past lives nation stay in line and i don't know if i should do past lives nation comma stay in line or i don't know but anyways past lives nation stay in line title of up uh thanks uh you can follow me on twitter instagram letterbox at vanessa on films uh you can follow this podcast or like subscribe to it or whatever you need to do uh, you could share it. I don't really care. <laughs> Anyways, um, bye.